You're listening to the Fade to Gray Network. Welcome back to Four and Toe Podcast, where moms can find encouragement on their journeys through homeschooling. I'm your host, Elizabeth, and this is episode 25. This is a huge milestone, you guys. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for joining me today. So today I'm going to introduce you to one of my Instagram friends, Heather, who sat down and talked to me about homeschooling children with special needs. She had such an amazing story. It was such a fantastic interview that I am actually going to be splitting this up into two different episodes rather than edit it down so it fits to my 20 to 30 minutes that I'd like to try and keep my episodes. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Heather, for reaching out to me and letting me know that you had a story to share. I'm not going to take up any more time, so let's just get right into the interview. I hope you guys enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Four and Toe Podcast. I'm Elizabeth, as you know, and today I have an Instagram friend, Heather. Thank you so much, Heather, for joining me today. We are going to be talking about um, special needs and homeschooling special needs. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for responding to my Instagram post. I really appreciated it. Um, I was hoping to uh, be an encouragement to people. I have one child with dyslexia, but it's from what I'm learning, because I'm still learning, um, it feels so minor compared to what some people struggle with in homeschooling. And I I appreciate you being willing to be uh, open and sharing your story with us today. Well, there's so many of us out there that have kids that have varying special needs. And I think that unless we speak up and we reach out to one another, we kind of feel like we're alone because those special needs often are so isolating. And um, so I was excited to see that you were looking into the topic and that you were hoping to encourage and share with people. That's great. So before we get too far in, can you tell me how many kids uh, do you have? How long have you been homeschooling and how many of them are still school age, still being homeschooled? Right. So I have nine kids and they range in age from 22 to four. Um, And so I have three that have already graduated, one that's married, two that are in college. Um, I will graduate another this year. I've been homeschooling for 19 years which both feels like an entire lifetime because I can't remember anything before it, um, (laughs) but also feels like, you know, I just started because there's always stuff to learn and always new things coming out and and new just principles to start including. And let's be honest, every child is so different that even when you've been doing it 19 years, you're still learning to adapt to what's going on in your own home. So. That's encouraging to hear. <laughs> I'm, I'm a second generation homeschooler, so I can kind of understand the mm-hmm. whole changing thing. I've only yep. been homeschooling as a homeschool mom myself for uh, six years. Um, and some days I'm like, why am I changing things? Because it's not working for this child. That's why. It's not working. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. And, and special needs brings a new element to that because mm. a lot of times we get in our, our own rut of what works. And what works for us, really and truthfully, that's what it is. What yeah. what we've learned, and how we teach, and how we process, and that works great with most neurotypical kids. Not everyone, but most of them. And if we have to tweak, we make small tweaks. 
But then God kind of throws us a curve and gives us a child who has more intense needs or just a, a very different learning style. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves swimming upstream and saying, wait, I thought I knew what I was doing. And all of a sudden I am clueless. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, so tell me, uh, for the sake of our listeners, since I already know the answer, but <laughs> yeah, your, your children with special needs, you have more than one child with special needs. Could you do. share with, share with us a little bit about them? Yeah, absolutely. So my senior that's about to graduate, um, he has some auditory processing disorders. Um, he was diagnosed when he was about 12. We always knew that there was something different about the way that he thought and the way that he worked mm -hmm. um, in terms of homeschooling, but it really didn't feel like it was a major issue. And I'll be honest, I kind of fell into not wanting to label him. Mm -hmm. um, I felt like that would, like the freedom of homeschooling allowed me to not label him mm -hmm. and that it would actually be a detriment to kind of slide that label on him. However, an older mom shared some wisdom with me um, that I'm very grateful that I, I took. Um, she said that she had a child that she had also waited um, to pursue any kind of formal testing or anything of that nature, and it ended up kind of biting her. Hmm. Because what happens is if you, if you have a kid that you think might be on a college track, mm -hmm. um, they will not qualify for any of the accommodations um, for college entrance testing. Oh, wow. And yeah, you have to have an official diagnosis and label in order to get the extra time or any other accommodations that might be available for that testing. Um, by the time he was 12, I felt like there was a good chance that that was the route that he was going. And so um, we just prayerfully pursued it. It didn't change really anything that we were already doing with him because we had already been so far in the trenches of it. Um, but I am, in his case, really glad that we did um, because he did qualify for extra time then when it came to doing, um, it, he did the uh, CLT classic learning test and then he did the ACT. Uh -huh. um, and he got extra time for those uh, particular tests and, um, and it ended up being a big, a big difference for him. Um, he ended up doing great, by the way, despite the fact that he has these um, learning issues. Uh, he, he got a 31 first go on the ACT. Wow. Um, and he's managed to qualify for a full academic scholarship at the school that he wants to go to. Wow, and that's great. so obviously that label hasn't actually hurt him yeah. at all. So, so that's my oldest. Could uh, you, real quick, learning. could you define yeah. the auditory processing? Because I yeah. have a friend who has a son with that same diagnosis. Yeah. I'm curious how that works. So in his case, so he also struggles with some reading issues. Um, but for the most part, information that's given orally does not actually filter in correctly for Jack. Okay. Um, he, he hears it and he understands the steps. But somehow, somewhere in his brain, that filter that allows you and I to hear something along the lines of go upstairs, get the pack of crayons, bring it down, sit at the table and color. Mm -hmm. He kind of gets go upstairs, sit down and color. Okay. He would not get that whole line of instructions and it manifests in other ways as well. But that's the main, that's the main thing for him is just in a situation where information or directions are given orally, um, you know, like a traditional classroom setting for him mm -hmm. where a teacher stands up 
and lectures at you for an hour or 45 mm -hmm. minutes, not going to be a successful situation yeah. for him. So, so again, that's where those accommodations come into play okay. where he can, uh, because of that label, he can use a uh, voice memo on his uh, phone and then play something back. He can, um, you know, sit and take notes on uh, an iPad or something like that, where perhaps that wouldn't be allowed in a particular classroom setting. Mm -hmm. He has the ability to do that due to those accommodations and that label being applied, you know, professionally, for lack of a better word. So then you have you have another you have two more sons. with Yes. Yeah. So my next one is is 13. And he's my okay. son that actually has the most intense special needs. And um, his story is very unique, mm -hmm. um, but it has elements that I think a lot of people can understand and appreciate. So Phineas uh, was uh, uh, exposed to alcohol in utero. So he has something called fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. He also um, suffered some brain injury that uh, caused him to uh, have a low IQ and a lot of other special needs that are related to that. He has a lot of learning challenges. Um, we got Finn when he was 14 months old and he was already missing a lot of milestones. Uh, so we knew that he was going to have definitely some, some long-term difficulties. Um, homeschooling Finn looks like repeating kindergarten over and over. Hmm. Um, and, you know, if you were to sit down and use a traditional um, progress chart, you probably wouldn't see much. Mm -hmm. However, it really glosses over the deeper issue of what is education and what is learning and what is quality of life um so when i say to people you know we repeat kindergarten every year people think of schooling as being getting that kid to read and then i'm mm -hmm. going to get that kid to count and then i'm going to get that kid to do math and we're just going to follow along this this ladder um for phineas it's looked like learning empathy mm -hmm. uh learning teamwork having appreciation for um, poetry and literature and music, um, understanding the world around him at the level that he can understand the world, yeah. um, and being able to participate uh, in, in community uh, in a way that's, that's valuable not only to him, but also to the people that are around him. Mm -hmm. um, so Finn actually is my only child. He has the title of being the only kid in our family that's ever been to school. Um, before his legal adoption, the state required us uh, to put him in a classroom. Mm -hmm. And we did with some reservations um, because it was just new to us. Um, and we weren't quite sure exactly what they were planning on doing, what they felt was, um, you know, valuable for his time. Mm -hmm. um, so he was in what's called a developmental preschool. And it was a horrific experience for us um, because he was placed in a classroom that he was actually the highest functioning child. Oh, um, wow. And so he developed, yeah, he developed a lot of behaviors and was exposed to a lot of stuff that he hadn't been previously. Oh, that's rough. And yeah, it really was. It was not, you know, while on paper and by law, it looks like it's in his best interest. It really wasn't. Um, the academic gains were negligible. Mm. 
Um, but really the damage done was pretty profound in mm. terms of his ability to um, get along with people and, and just his general, I mean, people want to say classrooms are all about socialization. Well, this was all about socialization of the negative kind, sadly. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, he, he is definitely the, the most high needs. Um, and he's the one that, um, I have a stack of different, uh, you know, reading curriculum and things like that, that we've tried. <laughs> I, I have invested yeah. um, time and money and, and we keep working those things. But as he gets older and older, you know, I feel like we've just realized that the greater, um, the greater education for him is, is quality of life mm. and ability to appreciate life. Yeah. So that's, he's, he's got to be so He's got to be so blessed to have a family like you, like willing to put in the time to give him that quality of life. Well, I'll tell you, you know, the biggest thing, um, people say that often and, and it's true. I mean, he could be in a much different situation. Um, but what our family has learned from our time with Phineas, what my kids learn in our homeschool from Finn, um, patience, mm. um, empathy, Mm -hmm. uh, appreciation of people who are profoundly different. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, having to understand that people don't see things the same way. Mm -hmm. It is, it is such an interesting, um, experience. I think when you have a child that has these profound needs, um, because you come to appreciate them and what it is that their giftings are. Mm -hmm. And I see that in my kids. Um, I see that they can accept people. They can walk into any situation and they don't label people as different. They see it. I mean, it's not, sure. it's not as if some miraculous, you know, blindness to, to needs came into play. Um, but they see and they appreciate and they don't write people off. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, and that's an important thing to learn. My, um, my parents adopted uh, a boy as well who had, uh, fetal alcohol syndrome. It used to be syndrome and now it's spectrum disorder. Spectrum disorder. Okay. That's yeah. what I thought I was like, it's syndrome, isn't it? No. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm behind the times apparently. I'm trying to keep up. Oh, it changed somewhere <laughs> around Finn's like seventh birthday. I don't know. Oh, okay. Uh, anyway. We were midstream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So my, my brother is, yeah, older than your son. So, cause he is, now 25 he'll be mm -hmm. 26 in a week so okay. but and and he has some other uh learning disabilities as well so he came to live with us when he was six okay and okay. i was in my junior year of high school so i didn't really okay. grow up with him but right. we still it was still this process and and when i left i left home early actually i graduated in march the year my senior year mm -hmm. um and went off to do my thing and my younger my biological brother and sister younger than me dealt more with him being homeschooled mm -hmm. at the same time than I yeah. really did I didn't really 
I would come home and be the big sister that would take him to see the like Shrek. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, that. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of what my oldest kids, you know, they've had a different experience, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one thing that, that is interesting is that it, when you have, and it, it happens whether you're homeschooling or not, but I think it plays a lot more um, prevalently or, or just with, with more intensity when you are homeschooling is if you have a kid with special needs, especially of the more intense variety, wherever they fall in the birth order doesn't always line up with, um, with what their day-to-day experience is. So, you know, Phineas is 13, but really he functions most of the time, a six-year-old, possibly a seven-year-old, but he could also be a four-year-old. Well, you know, he has four younger siblings. Yeah. And those younger siblings all, you know, they don't look to him as an older brother. Oh, yeah. For that reason. And that's that can be it can be hard. It can be hard on mama because it's your big brother and you want them to have that experience with him in that relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, But it can be hard on them, too, because they look to him and they realize that he's not He's not the leader of the pack, you know. He's he's not the one that um, that is in that role for them in their lives. So, um, and it, and it's bittersweet watching one of your kids pass by another. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that any mom with a child of any kind of special needs can identify with, because whatever it is, you're going to see a younger sibling potentially pass them by. Yeah. Even if it's just it's in reading. You know, can I ask you about that? How do you deal with that? Because my second daughter's the one with dyslexia. Her, uh, my son is two years younger, but he is catching up to her. And by next year, he will have passed her. And now my four year old has taught herself how to read. Yeah. And it will, it will be very soon before. I mean, we're talking within the next year or two that my second daughter will be the lowest level of reading. How do you deal with that? Right. Um, well, first of all, you have to remove yourself from it because let's be honest that that it really is more about you and how you're feeling mm. often. I, I find that often it's my emotions that play in there. And if you can approach it with your kids as just, well, everybody's mm. different. And this literally is just, this is how, you know, he is, this is how she is. This is a strength area for you. This is a weak area for you. And talk about that as part of of every day, not just in regards to the topic at hand, you know, reading, but talk about it in all things. Hey, you know, Jack is a great tree Mm -hmm. climber. You know, you're not so great at that, but man, can you scooter? Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think that kind of sets the stage. It just plants those seeds of allowing them to see themselves as strong in some areas and weak Mm -hmm. in others. But also for me, one practical thing is that I have been very purposeful in not reusing curriculum with kids that are passing other kids Mm. by. I found that that was something that um, the other, the, you know, the, the more adept child was able to point to and say, what I'm on level three, you're on two. Huh? And, and it just, it, it didn't sit well with my heart. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And also I was just fearful that it would be something that that older child who was struggling would sit there and maybe be defeated in, Mm -hmm. or maybe feel that they were being, um, you know, mocked, even if they weren't, you know, and start to have that feeling of less than, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I I never want my kids to have a feeling of less than 
you know, they were all created for a purpose. They all have gifts. They just look really different. Yeah. And that's okay. That's encouraging. I had actually, okay, so I'm doing the right thing then. <laughs> <laughs> I think we naturally, I think our gut tells us yeah. a lot of times, but we do have to remove ourselves from it. This is not, you know, a child with special needs is no statement mm-hmm. on your parenting ability, uh, anything. It's no statement on you. And when we allow it to become an emotional stronghold for us, First of all, we're just not capable of, of really being fully present mm-hmm. and looking at things in a practical light. Um, and also, we just take on a stress and a burden that we were not meant to bear, and it, it just drags us down. And that is where we end up being exhausted in the, the trenches of special needs. And there are plenty of other places to be exhausted. <laughs> so borrowing trouble is not, is not necessary. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's not necessary. You need that strength when you are sitting there telling them for the 50,000th time that (laughs) IGH says, you know, this and, and, and you don't need to be worried about, you know, whether or not they're sitting there thinking that their brother's smarter than they are. Yeah. Yeah. That's my perspective on it. That's good. And that is the end of part one. Thank you again, Heather, for taking the time to share your story with us. Listeners, be sure to tune in next week to hear part two of this interview. In the meantime, if you want to go check out Heather, you can follow her on Instagram. Her Instagram handle is at to sow a seed. And in between each word is an underscore. So it's T-O underscore S-O-W underscore A underscore S-E-E-D. Go check her out and you can reach out to her with further questions, comments, or just let her know how awesome she is and just to thank her for being on this episode. If you have a story you want to share, I would love to have you. Send me a message on Instagram, Facebook at Foreign Toe Podcast, or even Twitter at Foreign Toe Pod. Don't forget about my conference that's coming up with Jean Miller on April 18th. I am so excited for my very first experience hosting a homeschool conference. I'd love to have you there either in person or virtually. Go check out my website for more details on that. www.forintopodcast.com. So until next time, have a great homeschool week. And mama, remember, you've got this.